If you're anything like me, you spent your childhood assuming that one day you'd meet your Prince Charming. You'd get married, you'd have a nice house in the suburbs, a dog, a career, and a couple of kids. It never crossed your mind that Prince Charming wouldn't come along, or that tragically you'd lose him before his time, or that your marriage wouldn't work out, or even that your biological clock would have other ideas. Or maybe you never really wanted that sort of happily ever after. Maybe you never wanted a man, but you did know you always wanted children. We're living in an age where for the first time, women can embrace motherhood on their own terms. They no longer have to put their lives on hold waiting for the right man, or settling for someone who they know isn't right for them, just so they can become a mother. More women than ever before are embarking on the journey to become what's known as a solo mother by choice. And while for a lot of us it doesn't feel like a choice, but more a necessity, the bottom line is there are now options for you to be able to fulfill your dreams of motherhood if the traditional route isn't playing out as expected. The No Need for Prince Charming podcast will share stories of Australian women who have successfully become solo mothers by choice. They each have a unique story as to why they decided to pursue motherhood in this way and the journey they had to go through to make this dream a reality. The hope is that by sharing these stories, you'll have the knowledge and the confidence to embark on this amazing journey yourself if you determine it's the right one for you. In the words of Walt Disney, all of our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. All you need is faith, trust, and a little bit of pixie dust. On today's podcast, I'm talking with Steph. Steph was only 25 when she decided she wanted to become a solo mum by choice. She had quite a long journey, but already has two beautiful boys, Madden and Scout, and she already had two foster children. She's not done yet, so there may be more to add to the family in due time. Can't wait for you to meet Steph and also Scout, who was teething and decided that he did not want to sleep. So he's joined us. Welcome, Scout and Steph. Wonderful um, to have both of you here today. Steph, I'd love you to, to start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and what made you decide to pursue the journey of being a solo mum by choice. Yeah, perfect. So I am Steph. Um, I'm 31 and I live in Brisbane, Australia. And I have two little boys now. Madden is four and Scout is almost two, or well, he'll be two in July. And I always wanted to become a mum. I um, decided quite young. I was only 25 when I first started the journey. And there's young compared with uh, most of the people I'm talking to. Yes. Yeah, so I actually interviewed on SBS because I was such a young one person going through this. But um, anyway, my choice was I grew up in an unstable household and my mum dated very abusive guys and it kind of set the foundation up for me that not everyone you meet is who they are and I knew I wanted to become a mum but I wanted to bypass that step and so I went solo. Wow. So going at 25, did you come up against many barriers when you were trying to obviously go through treatment and that sort of thing with any of the clinics or was it relatively easy for you? Um, I uh, went to my doctor who wasn't going to write a referral because I was so young, but mm. um, they eventually did. And then I went to the specialist who I still see today and our first meeting was she thought I was there to, to freeze my eggs. My apologies, yeah. Scouty is just being a little menace. This is real solo mum life. That's so unpredictable. They just uh, come with most things with us. That's it. So, um, yeah, so I went to my specialist, Melissa, and she thought I was there to freeze my eggs. And when I told her that I was there to make a baby, she was a little bit shocked at first. But yeah. I think once she digested it, she digested it, she was on board. And then we went from there. Um, I tried IUI six times and it didn't work. And then I moved to IVF. So 
I thought it was going to be easy, but it was anything but easy. I think most people at your age going into it, you just assume that it would should work easily. So that would have been probably quite tough to after six negatives to then have to move into IVF thinking like no logical reason why it wouldn't work. Yeah, definitely. So I moved into IVF and then I also was a bit naive. Thank you, Scout. <laughs> I was a bit naive and I thought that it was also going to be easy, but um, I was quickly knocked off my pedestal and realised mm. that it was quite a tough journey, especially doing it um, by yourself. But I also got um, OHSS, my right. first egg collection, so that was not a vibe. <laughs> <laughs> um, I spent a week in hospital and I thought, that that was it I was done I wasn't going to continue on because that was just the worst week of my life so why why am I putting myself through this but once I got over it then I picked myself up and I kept going and did you get embryos from that that round even though you ended up with OHSS I I did so I got I was really lucky and I know some people are going to be very envious when I tell them but I ended up with 17 eggs that made 12 embryos wow um they were all graded top quality embryos, which obviously being only 25 was part of the reason and I thought that was amazing anyway. So I transferred one for Madden and it didn't take and then I transferred another one and sorry, Scout's licking the blanket as you do. You um, I transferred <laughs> another one and that that was Madden but um I just, I feel like once I got pregnant, I was like, oh, this is going to, this is great. This is, let's go. And then I got a, um, I started bleeding with him at, I must've been about seven weeks and um, they found a sub chronic hematoma, which happened when he tried to implant, but it was three times the size of his gestational sac. So they were pretty confident that I was going to lose him. And I was like, oh. Oh God! After, after um, six rounds and then everything else. Wow. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. So I was a bit like, oh, what is going on here? So he did. He held on, which was amazing. So um, it was a bit rocky to start with, but the rest of the pregnancy was fine. Did you have to have surgery or something to deal with the hematoma, or just kind of looked after itself? Or um, so I bled a lot for the first maybe 16 weeks and so it was kind of just a wait and see do bed rest wait and see do bed rest and cross your fingers and hope for the best so that was really nerve-wracking and when you're doing it by yourself I was like oh my god but um Melissa my uh, fertility specialist and obstetrician is amazing and I didn't think that she would be as supportive as she was wow even bed rest like so early on as well that would be very stressful I imagine but we have Madden now, so it obviously worked out. It did. So um, I made it to 37 weeks, I believe, and then I got induced. Um, and, I mean, it was a, such a straightforward birth, and then he got stuck. And I was like, oh, here we go. But um, they used a vacuum to get him out, except ironically when he was born, he was born with a subglial hematoma from being vacuumed out. So it essentially sliced his head. The vacuum and so he was yeah I can see you he was whisked off to special care so that was another challenge uh, yes you can have some milk in a minute just give mommy a second um he was whisked off to special care and so my whole first experience I was like oh this is terrible and how did you find I guess once you got to take him home and being a mum by yourself 
at that age, I guess, as well, like all of your friends probably weren't at the same life stage as you. You feel like you had a lot yeah, of... Yeah, so they weren't. I mean, I have a twin sister who um, was going to be my support team, but unfortunately just after Madam was born, she was met with mental health and um, subsequently spent... Oh, sorry, Scouts, just turned the light off on us. <laughs> subsequently spent... Um, two years in hospital. So I had a a newborn, my sister and I, we have foster kids. So I also had to take them on. And then I also had my sister's little girl. (laughs) I was like, oh gosh. So I went from no children to having four by myself. Sorry. (laughs) Apologies. Um, So that was really challenging. And I felt really alone in those first few weeks, but it got easier and I was really lucky that Madam was such a chill baby because the pregnancy was anything but. <laughs> yeah, I think he owed it to you, didn't he, after that? Right? Yeah. So, yeah, I had Madden and then I quickly knew that I wanted to have more. He brought so much joy and I was like, yep, yeah, I'm going to have another one. So um, when Madden turned one, I marched myself back to Melissa. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm I'm here and I'm ready for another one. Um, And she was like, great, you just have to have one period and off we go. So I did that. Um, I did that and then off we went. We transferred one of the 11 embryos I had left and much to my dismay, it didn't take. And I was like, that's okay. Got 10 more in the freezer. Let's keep going. Um, and then I got to, no, I'll get you some milk. Give me one second. Um, I transferred another and it also didn't take. And I was like, that's fine. We still have nine left. Um, like I said, they were all highly graded. So I went in with confidence each time. Yeah. And then we got to the fourth embryo and it also didn't take. And so then we started to think oh, what, what's going on here? Like, could there be something else? So um, Melissa started doing all the bloods and the investigation tests that you can do. We started just checking things off the list to make sure that there was nothing causing the secondary infertility. And I was like, okay, let's transfer too because why not? And so that took a little bit convincing for her, but she was happy to give it a crack. So we transferred two embryos, five and six. Um, one of them took... And then I miscarried at 10 weeks and I was like, oh, (laughs) I cannot. Um, I was like, this is crazy. So then we went again. I just kept doing it back to back. We went seven and eight. Um, They also didn't take. And I was like, how can someone make 12 embryos and only one baby? I was like, this this does not make any sense to me. Um, And then so we, we did number eight and nine. She tried like Pregnal, which is an injection, and she tried to give me baby aspirin, um, but eight and nine unfortunately also didn't take. <laughs> wow. Like, oh, oh dear. How was your mental health during this? I can only kind of. Um, it was really low, to be honest with you. I was like, how can you have a healthy baby and no explanation? no explanation as to why you can't fall pregnant and just having the diagnosis of secondary infertility I was like no this doesn't happen to someone who's 26 27 I was like no this is this is bullshit (laughs) 
Um, and so then we transferred number 11 and he didn't, that one didn't take either. So we did a laparoscop, a laparoscopy just to check it off the box. Um, yeah. It showed like a minimal amount of endo. Melissa got rid of it. She's like, but I don't see that that's the cause. And then I was like, you know what? I need an insurance policy, so I need to buy another vial of sperm of the boy's donor just in case this last embryo doesn't take. Um, there was none available at that time. I was like, what do you mean there's none available? I'm not changing donors. I need, I, I need this. This needs to, like, this can't be happening. So I got onto S Seattle Sperm Bank and they put me onto a registry where other people who used the same donor overseas had also registered their birth of their kids and I just crossed everything and started asking all of them. And luckily for me, someone sold me back one of their vials of the same oh, sperm. Oh, wow. That's lucky. Yeah. yeah. I was like, okay. Oh, I think right. you're waiting for the outcome, like really anxious. <laughs> so I... So I went with Melissa and we transferred lucky number 12 and we did pregnal injections. At this point, I stopped being a serial tester. I was like, you know what? I don't even want to know. I didn't even go for my blood test when you're supposed to go for your blood test. I was like, I'll just wait for my period because that's what happens every other time. And then it got to a week later and I didn't get my period and I got a call from Melissa and she's like, are you going to go for bloods? And I was like, maybe give me two days and so two more days went past I hadn't done a pregnancy test I hadn't had my bloods and then um, my period sorry so I went for bloods and then she rang me on the Saturday and she's like Steph you're pregnant and I was like Woo-hoo! <laughs> I was like thank god <laughs> so he was lucky number 12 um so the last frozen embryo that you had the last frozen embryo I had and the worst graded one he was the dodgy one He's not meant to make an embryo, like he's not meant to make a baby, but here he is. Wow. And he's as wild as ever. <laughs> Keeps me on my toes. Um, and he put you through enough to get him. Get him, yeah. He did. He doesn't wait for anybody. So that is my little pocket rocket scout. Um, and so I just, last year I did another egg collection because I've got two boys and I want a girl. <laughs> So I did another egg collection. I was terrified of OHSS, so we changed the trigger, which meant I couldn't do a fresh transfer. I could only freeze all the embryos. Um, So we did that. And, again, like last time, I've made 12 embryos. So there's 12 frozen little embryos in the freezer, but that means nothing to me. (laughs) No, I'm working after everything you've been through. It's just... That could mean it just takes one. It could mean it takes 12 again because that's what it took for these two. So, wow. Yeah, so I was a little bit nervous going into that, but I've I've got them. They're sitting there and tomorrow is actually my first bloods to do a frozen transfer. So that's a little bit exciting. Wow. Nerve-wracking, but You're going to have to exciting. keep us updated, obviously. Oh, yeah, definitely. So... I um I haven't told any of my close friends this time because I felt like last time I told them and it took so long to get scout that all I was telling them was it didn't work. It yeah, a little bit depressing. So, um, I mean, I don't think anyone on this podcast knows me in real life. I mean, they might, but no one knows on my Instagram this time around. So we'll just keep it hush hush. 
So obviously you learned not to share with too many people when you're going through it because of what you went through to get Scout. Are there other things that you've learned that you think you'll do differently this time as well? Um, I am going to throw everything at this one. I don't know if it Scout just worked because Scout worked or it was because I only ate meat and vegetables <laughs> and cut out sugar or I did the pregnal injections and the baby aspirin and that's why he took. So I'm just going to try it. Everything I did with Scout, I'm going to do again and see mm-hmm. see what happens. And if he, if he doesn't take, then it was all just a myth. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things you won't look back and go, what if, I wish I'd done this or I wish I'd tried that because you've, you've done it all. Yeah, I won't be able to say what if because I, I did it all. So you said that you use Seattle Sperm Bank. So did you feel that you had to go overseas? Was there an option to go locally in Queensland or... Why did you decide there to go was, I, I think it's so popular now, um, becoming a solo mum, that people are having to wait a long time for a sperm. Mm-hmm. Um, that okay. wasn't an issue when I first did it a few years back. It was we, I had quite the choice. Um, there was a lot of Australian donors and then there was obviously the American donors. Um, the American ones were more expensive, but um, as I went through all the donors, this donor that I chose to, just like aligned with my values and we have similar interests and things so I just went went with him and I was like oh that'll be good um he didn't donate for very long and before he became retired so I kind of feel better knowing that knowing they're not going to have like 50 million siblings with going with an American donor can you have access to have a relationship with them in the future if you want to or if they always want to um, so all the donors through Queensland Fertility Group have to agree to meet the children and give their identity to them once they turn 18. Mm-hmm. So even with overseas donors? Yeah. So uh, that was really comforting for me to know. Um, so the boys will have that chance. Um, I think maybe Madden, I think there might be one other child that's a bit older than Madden, but I think Madden was pretty much the next child born so I think he might turn 18 first and I guess if he chooses to share that with the donor siblings then I guess he does but we're, we're, we're all waiting for Madden <laughs> <laughs> and if you went I guess if you went back in time again and on your journey is there anything that you'd do differently from what you've done or I don't think so I think my biggest advice to people when they ask should we do it is for me personally is don't wait like I think at 25 I had such such struggle with fertility I can imagine if I waited till I was like 35 40 no offense to any of you but like had I waited maybe I wouldn't have had the chance to have like the boys that I have now because it was so difficult yeah so I I just think that um if you're sitting on the fence and you thinking I'll just wait a few more years I always tell people not to I'm like I know that it might seem scary but it's more scary knowing that you might have some struggles and you might not actually end up with what you wanted if you wait a few more years so did you go into this always wanting to have quite a few children because obviously you're ideally having number three if that works out I always wanted to have four I don't know why I've always wanted to have four but I mean ideally I'm happy for whatever the universe gives me but I am secretly putting out to it that I'd like pink next time. 
I mean, I love my boys and I'll always love them, but if I'm meant to be a boy mum, then I'm going to be a boy mum, but I've got everything crossed that the next one's going to be a girl. <laughs> I'll keep it crossed for you as well then. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> then, so day-to-day life with two young boys, how are you finding it? Is it what you thought it would be? Is it different? Day-to-day life with two boys is very full-on. Yeah. Um, we leave the house at 6.30 to go to daycare and to work and we don't come back until almost 4.35. So I have to be on top of my game to keep the house running, otherwise it becomes a bit of a disaster zone. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I love the adventures we can have. I mean, um, the boys have taught me so much. I always thought I was going to be a girl mum. So when the boys came along, I was like, okay, cool, cool. I can, I can do boys. <laughs> what do I do with you? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was like, I was like, I wasn't disappointed when I found out Madam was a boy, but I was scared. I was like, I don't actually know how to look after a boy. I didn't have male role models growing up. So I was like, I hope I don't ruin them, but I think I'm doing a pretty good job and I hope that I'll teach them how to be gentlemen and they're going to look after their mum when they're older. (laughs) (laughs) Never get married, you don't do anything, just look after me. Good, sounds like a That's it, that's it. (laughs) But no, and I also, I guess um, the other thing I've done with them is I'm super open about them being donor-conceived. I know some people choose not to disclose how their children came about but I think honesty from my end anyway is always going to be open and they're going to know that they have some donor siblings out there if they choose to meet them I know their parents well the parents who have registered so so you've already looked into the donor siblings that are out there in other families yeah so we have a we have a group like a private group with the donor siblings that want to connect Mm-hmm. So, um, they, unfortunately for me, none of the other people in Australia who use this donor have come forward yet. So we're just, um, we have them, but they're all overseas. They all seem to be American based. So, I mean, maybe one day we'll have to take a trip to America if they all want to meet. <laughs> yeah, like add in Disneyland and stuff. It's not the worst thing, is it? Yeah. I mean, it's not the worst thing to have happen, but, um, yeah, so it's interesting to be in this group and like see the similarities between the siblings and things. It sometimes it can be a bit uncanny. I'm like, oh, I look a lot like my kid. <laughs> Are there any girls in there? There is, but um, oh, a majority of this donor has boys, so I feel like maybe it's just a strong boy making the tune. <laughs> Definitely. So. We're interested. I mean, most of the families that we've met, they're one and done. So mm-hmm. that was interesting to me. Um, and like I said, he didn't donate for very long, so there wasn't very many vials of his sperm out there. So um, I sometimes I do worry a little bit that I might not make a third and then that's it for us because there is no more of the same donor and I don't think I would choose another one. So yeah. we'll see what happens. Hopefully you've got 12, so we'll hope that the, the odds work out. But I can understand if it was me in your shoes, then you'd be a little bit anxious about it after everything you've been through with the numbers game. Yeah. yeah. A little bit. But I'm I'm hoping that um this this next one's gonna come easy for sure because I kind of planned it to come after Scouty turns two and a bit, but yeah. it'll happen straight away because they'll want Scout to be full keep me on my toes for a bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so I guess very young, hopefully mum of three soon. Is there any advice that you would give people thinking about this, I guess, in terms of how to make life and finances and that sort of thing happen? Because I know that's a, one of the things that a lot of people really worry about going into this of how they're going to afford it on their own, the treatment, and then also just life as a mum. I think it's super scary for people looking at the finance, but what I found is like Medicare is pretty generous to us here in Australia. They give back, um, they give back a lot. And I don't think people realize until they, I see, I mean, they see the initial figures. They're like, Oh my God. Once you get that rebate, that almost pays for your frozen transfer if it fails. It's like your insurance policy. <laughs> so, yeah, I so think that's I pretty assumed good. I wouldn't qualify for it. And I was like, well, I get all this money back. Okay. Well, it's yeah. really as bad as I think a lot of people yeah. I think a lot of people assume they don't qualify and then um I mean it's becoming so socially accepted these days. I think Medicare would look a bit like dicks if they didn't <laughs> give to single parents, yeah. like women and men, like the same. So um, so I think they need to, they need to give to you. So that's pretty good. So the Medicare rebate is amazing. So don't stress about that is my number one. And then financially, depending on your financial situation, Centrelink is also pretty generous to single parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're going to give you a pretty generous single parent pension if you don't own a million assets. Yeah. Um, I do own assets, so I get a bit less, but it's still survivable. However, I do have to work to make it survivable. So, I mean, as long as you go in and you don't think it's going to be, like, given to you on a golden platter, like you still think, oh, yeah, I have to go back to work, then you're going to be fine. Yeah. You probably can't live just off the single parent pension and get ahead, but it is very doable. Do not be put off by the initial numbers your clinic gives you. That's my best advice. (laughs) That sounds like very good advice. Is there anything that you would uh, give advice for people when they're looking at choosing their sperm donor? You used an overseas clinic. Um, Was there any criteria or things that you went through or any process that you went through or you just went with Garfield? Um, So it was kind of like online online shopping for for sperm for me, but I think choose a – don't just settle for a donor because there's not many on the registry. Mm -hmm. Um, If they're not what you're not – if they don't – line with your values and they don't come across as someone that you would see yourself having kids don't just choose them for the sake of it just just wait it out because new donors come up all the time yeah um yeah my biggest thing is not to rush into it I know that if you're gearing more towards 40 and you're freaking out a little bit um it can be a bit more daunting and I think there would probably be a little bit more pressure and like okay I don't really have the time to wait but they are coming on every couple of weeks so just hold out hold out because your donor is coming I do I believe everything happens for a reason so I do believe there's a donor for everybody that gets on there to look for one so you selected your donor first and then proceeded with the rest of the IVF and treatment to create the embryos I selected my donor for IUI and I thought they were the one and um so I did that and then when IUI didn't work and I found my donor for IVF I kind of thought well that donor wasn't meant to be this donor's meant to be so that kind of came about but I started the IVF process whilst waiting for my donor Mm -hmm. you want to be ready to go is how I see it anyway and future ideally maybe one maybe two more how do you feel about maybe dating or meeting someone is there any 
even on your radar or it's not on my radar but I don't know if I want to be alone forever (laughs) but also who wants to date someone that's got four children a couple of foster kids they're probably going to run for the hill aren't they someone with a pretty amazing heart that would deserve you I'd have to say if they're gonna if they're interested in that they have to be a pretty awesome person I mean like I feel like they're gonna have to want to be like a crazy cat lady that likes kids instead with the white picket fence Hopefully that'll be my friend. <laughs> 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 sounds lovely on paper. So do you yeah. still have the foster kids living with you as well? I do, yeah. So until they're 18. So um, Christine is 14 this year and her little brother is 11. So you're already a mum of four anyway. So hopefully you'll be a mum of five or six kind of. Yeah, basically. Wow. I'm. Yeah, that's going to be a lot, but. I mean, I've got the space and I've got the means to do so, so yeah. I feel like I, sh- I should be allowed to do it. <laughs> no, I think it's amazing what you're doing. Just, oh, the most massive heart to take on foster kids as well. It's amazing. If someone came along, then great. But I feel like if they don't, then I'll just be a crazy biological lady that has babies and then keep fostering, I think. I think there's a lot of need for that, so I'll just do that. I think there will be um, a lot of I very think, grateful children for you being the crazy biological lady. <laughs> I think um, I guess my biggest struggle with um, being a solo mum is I've really struggled with what would happen to my boys if something happens to me. Yeah. So I don't know if anyone else, I'm sure they do, they probably think about it. Like I don't have very much family support so that's like it's a really big ask to ask your best friend or someone to be like, hey, can you take my kids on if something happens to me? Have you worked out the answer to that one? I'm still struggling I have, with that one. <laughs> I'm still struggling with that one. So I ideally just tell the universe all the time just to be kind to me and my children and <laughs> send when they're self-sufficient and they can look after themselves kind of thing. So that is my biggest worry and I tell my fertility specialist all the time like when I had scout I was like make sure I get through this because I've got a little boy waiting for me at home and so I think that's my my biggest anxiety is yeah what do you do if something happens to you like what happens to your children I would hate for them to go into the the system so and you probably know it better than anyone else does what the system really is yeah like I just don't want them to be split up I mean, we're all going to say that no one can raise our kids how we would like them raised, but I would hope with my whole heart that I've set them up enough and, of course, left enough to someone to raise them and not just leave them high and dry, hopefully. Mm. That would be my hope. But, yeah, always so worrying, but do we ever stop worrying as parents? I don't think so. Not if we're good ones, I don't think. Yeah, definitely. Well, so, so it's been amazing talking to you. I'm just blown away by the fact that you've foster kids and two and hopefully more to come and just everything that you've been able to achieve at such a young age and just the resilience to go through so many rounds of it and just to pick yourself up and just want to keep going is pretty inspiring for a lot of people who will be listening to this as well if things haven't quite happened the way that they uh, they hoped. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, hopefully, for most people. Yeah, I always tell people you're going to get knocked down and it is the – Craziest roller coaster you're about to embark on, but don't give up. Mm. You got this. Yeah. You can't possibly prepare yourself for what it's really going to be like, but you do. You've got this. Yeah, you definitely got this. And I mean, 
the online community for solo parents is amazing. And if you need someone to cheer in your corner, come find me. <laughs> Brilliant. So I'll make sure I put your handle out to everyone so they can come find you to be your biggest, their biggest cheerleader. Yeah, definitely. Come find me. I'll, I'll help you through it. I promise. Like I feel like because I went through it and I didn't have the support, I want to support everyone who wants to go through it. So if they need someone, my inbox is always open. That's very generous of you and that's kind of the point of the podcast as well so that other people can hear other people's stories and not feel quite so alone because it can be a very lonesome journey, especially infertility in itself is hard enough, but then doing it by yourself and not having people understand. Definitely the Instagram community is amazing. A lot of people who understand exactly what you're going through and then, yeah, hopefully people listening to the stories can get that aside as well. Is there anything else in parting that you just want to just say to anybody listening? I think... If you're on the fence, just go for it. It's going to change your life for the better. I don't think there's any negatives to this process other than if you go through a bit of a shit show to get here. But once you get here, best best ride of your life. You got this. That's pretty awesome advice. At this point in the podcast, I would normally thank Steph for her generosity and sharing her story with you all. However, I have a quick update. We ended up delaying the airing of this episode as Steph wanted to get to the 12-week mark with her twins. Yes, you heard that right. The transfer was successful and Steph is pregnant with twins. So another two gorgeous little babies to join her crazy little family. I'm so excited for you, Steph, and can't wait for the happy announcement. I'm Alicia, and this is the No Need for Prince Charming podcast, bringing you stories of Australian solo mums who created their own happy ending. If you like what you heard, please follow or subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on future episodes and leave a like, a review or share with your friends to help others find it easier. Bye for now.